Okay, tonight's episode of KUDEN, for those of you joining in, is uh, backwards thinking in our training. The good, the bad, I don't know if it's the ugly, but we'll take a look at it as soon as we get back. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And that's for real. Anyway, uh, welcome back, everybody, to a new episode, new week of uh, Kuden Radio. What is this, episode 125? Yay, us. All right, moving forward, right? Maybe we'll have a party at 150. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> a virtual party. Anyway, we've been talking about life stuff and all that. I thought this time around we'd take a look at uh, training, which seems to be, you know, what everybody's into. At least I think so. Anyway, uh, if you haven't checked over on the YouTube channel uh, lately, uh, we're kicking ass. Um, some shorts, more videos to go up. Uh, for those of you who've been following, uh, the glitch <laughs> was more than a glitch that we had with the Online Ninja Academy uh, website is uh, fixed thanks to the diligent uh, warrior, uh, I don't know what it is, commitment or I don't know. I think he was going to reach through the phone and grab a freaking tech at some point. Uh, but James, James uh, took care of all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yay, James. So everybody should be able to sign back into uh, Online Ninja Academy. If you have a membership or you have a, uh, a program or something that uh, you've uh, enrolled into over there or you're one of our inner circle guys, right, that have access to a ton of stuff. James, any idea how many programs I have over there at this point? Ebooks, audio? No. A couple of dozen? Something like that. He's making his face like, yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't count um, all this stuff or the just the audio only stuff we have over there on uh, uh, Instant Teleseminar, right? That's just uh, uh, teleseminar classes and things that I do weekly with my. Uh, with my coaching guys. All right, so um, let's jump into this, right? So um, there, there are some things that I have discovered about self-protection uh, over the years between, I don't know, getting my ass handed to me growing up in an inner city school and learning how to not die, because I certainly didn't learn how to be a fighter then. Um, I was convinced that by, you know, grandma and mom and all that kind of stuff that fighting never solved anything. That's not always true. Um, I certainly don't jump to fighting, but uh, so, you know, put me on this path, find some things, whatever. Right. But between training and lessons from uh, teachers who had been there. Right. Uh, those are the ones I tend to seek out. And actual real world experience, both as that kid growing up, uh, you know, civilian, just trying to protect my family and law enforcement, military, 
all that wonderful stuff, right? Um, might have picked up a few things here or there. And so uh, one of the things that that I noticed, and I really feel fortunate to have the teachers that I did because they pointed me in certain directions, uh, both in the self-growth side, right, because that has a lot to do with personal protection as well, right? You, you just make different choices. Um, if, you fo- if you follow me on Facebook, um, I shared a meme that I, I saw yesterday or today or something like that. It was, it was this quote by uh, Clint Eastwood, right, uh, that had to do with um, self-esteem leads to self-discipline. And when you have both, then like everything changes, right? You, you don't have anything else to worry about. You, things are rock solid. Now, I get what he meant, but at the same time, what it really points to is making certain types of decisions, right? Making certain choices, right? Which is why in our curriculum, in mod four, I believe, right? Uh, there's a test question that students have that uh, asks the uh, if the student knows the difference between a fighter, a soldier, and a warrior. And what it all boils down to, and I know people can be splitting hairs and this is arguable and all that kind of stuff because some people are just willing to argue, right? But what it really comes down to is the why that each of these people engage in physical combat, personal combat, right? So, you know, if we think about it, right, uh, some people are just quick to fight. And when I say fighter, right, it could be the sport fighter, MMA, boxer, whatever. And I'm not taking anything away from these people. I'm just talking about why they fight, right, from Rocky all the way to who knows, right? But why do they fight, right? Well, there's an award. There's a reward, right? Uh, cash, trophy, belt, fame, whatever, okay? Um, but it's the same with anybody who fights over anything, right? Could be the two guys fighting over a girl uh, at the bar on Saturday night. It could be two countries going at it. It could be, I don't know, some, you know, you and your significant other arguing over what kind of car you're going to buy or whatever, right? The point is, is that Whoever's fighting, they're both trying to win the same prize. They're both trying to be right. They're both trying, whatever, right? It doesn't matter if it's bragging rights. doesn't matter if it's, it doesn't matter, right? So they engage in fighting to solve something or to get something, right? To avoid losing something, right? But what about the soldier? Okay? And again, I'm not going to split hairs because I've met lots of soldiers in my time who had a warrior's heart, right? They were in it for very specific things, right? But not all soldiers, not all servicemen, not all people in the military that I've met uh, went in the military because they had some kind of idyllic uh, uh, belief system, right? Um, They didn't join the military to defend their country. They joined the military because of all the benefits that come with being a service member or a veteran, right? Money and whatever, okay? But when it comes to fighting, when it comes to engaging, you know, uh, the enemy, right? They do it because it's their job, okay? They don't choose the enemy. They don't choose the opponent. They don't choose the landscape, 
right? They don't choose the ideology, right? If they're not okay with the ideology of what their country uh, gets involved in, then they just don't join. Or at the first opportunity, they can do it without ending up in jail, right? Because they broke an oath or something like that, right? Um, they leave, right? Ideals change, reasons change, or I don't know, they gain a conscience or their morals and ethics change or whatever it is, right? But then you have this warrior, right? And I know people have this, you know, different fantasy ideals about what a warrior is or whatever, right? And the 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 word is <laughs> vaguely applied, right? Uh, but those who have a warrior ideology, right, um, have a strong set of morals, ethics. They have a code that they that they live by, and uh, they'll defend, right, the the things that they've decided are uh, important, right. And again, I'm not splitting hairs on soldiers, warriors, or whatever, right. But a warrior fights. Because there's nothing left, right? Negotiations have failed. Politics have failed. Uh, whatever. But they fight to defend things that they believe to be important, right? Um, and again, you know, if you're a soldier or with national pride and all those kind of things, right? Um, it's not so easy these days to cross lines. But back in the day, right, um, you know, if somebody was going to sign up to fight on a, on a side, right, uh, of an army, right? even the U.S. Uh, Civil War, right? Um, uh, Robert E. Lee, right, the commander-in-chief of the uh, Army of the Potomac, most people think he, uh, you know, fought for the South or whatever. Right. It's the army, uh, not the army of the Potomac. I'm sorry. Um, the uh, Confederacy. Right. Uh, he was originally right. A union officer was a general, very, very good tactician. And he was offered command of the army of the Potomac. Right. Not the north, the army of the Potomac. Right. But because back then people had allegiance to the states or commonwealths or whatever that they came from. Um, he was a Virginian, right? So he went to defend the honor of, as he said, his beloved Virginia, right? Either way. So, uh, but again, here's this, here's this example of someone signing up on the side of, you know, where their ideals lie, right? And they have very, very well-defined ideals. We don't have to agree with them, right? But they're willing to draw that line in the sand um, or step on the side that best fits what they believe uh, should be defended, right? So, you know, fighter, drop of a hat. There's something to win, you know, something to lose, right? Face, ego, right? Bragging rights, whatever, right? I'm going to lose my house and my car and my girlfriend if I don't win this fight and get that big, huge check. I've actually heard MMA guys say those things, right? Car broke down. I'm being evicted or whatever. I need to win that check. Okay. Sounds to me like there's more things um, uh, that are going on that are problematic than uh, 
whether or not they're going to win or lose a fight. But that's me. So, but these different things, right? But what I really wanted to take a look at was the way people tend to focus on self-defense training, right? Again, please note that I am differentiating between people that train in whatever martial art, ours, anybody else's, right? Or whatever self-defense system they're training in, for those of you listening on, in on, uh, Stitcher radio or whatever. I just made air quotes, right? Um, if someone's training for belts, if somebody's training for, uh, you know, because they like uh, Asian culture or they're just, you know, they're wrapped around this warrior mythos, right? Not ethos, mythos, right? Um, or the fantasy thing or bragging rights or whatever. I'm not saying they can't defend themselves any more than I would say that a high school wrestler can't defend themselves, right? But their focus is probably in a very different place, right? Not talking about them tonight. What I'm talking about are the folks that say that they're training for self-defense. And I really don't like the term self-defense. I prefer the terms either self-protection because to me that's broader, right? That's not just about ducking punches or not getting shot or stabbed or whatever, but also protecting myself, um, you know, in a potential car crash or uh, against a, a dog, you know, that's attacking uh, or a, some other wild animal or, We'll talk about this later, right? Uh, my financial state, my ability to take care of my family, uh, and a whole wide range of things, right? So if we're talking about self-protection, right, and we'll start with with physical self-defense, because what I want to do tonight, I'm going to start with that, and I'm going to go down through the eight phases of strategic self-defense uh, action, right? Um which is both a framework, right, for moving through uh, an escalating scale of problems and then also branching out into at least two other areas that are, are problems, right, there are threats post-physical attack, right? And take a look at those, but so it's not just a framework for making decisions at each phase that this thing goes through, right? But also, it's a framework for guiding our training, right? Because it should mirror, right, what we need and what we should be focusing on and all that kind of stuff, right? So I'll, I'll start there, right? And that's going to take up a huge chunk of what we're talking about here. And then we'll kind of move that out. I'm going to show you another way to use that same framework on any area of our lives that, uh, or where we might need um, this self-protection action or self-protection decision-making, right? Strategic thinking. Okay. Okay. So uh, I see notifications popping in and I appreciate that uh, folks are saying hi and all that, but uh, all I see is a little notification thing that pops up on my computer screen, right? Uh, James sees all that stuff. And so I, I appreciate when people are checking in. Uh, it's all good. And I see lots of familiar faces and that's cool too, but I uh, would just keep on, keep on keeping on, right? So uh, there's this, there's this thing, right? And this, there's a reason that I titled this episode backward thinking, okay? 
Um, I use this in the uh, in the corporate world when I'm doing corporate workplace violence uh, consulting. Okay, uh, because the backward thinking that's there is wrapped around this what I call boardroom or kitchen table uh, logic, right? That whatever I'm thinking, right, as far as the solution to a problem, right, because I think it's logical, then therefore an attacker should recognize that logic, okay? So the backward thinking, uh, just to give you context, right, the backward thinking that I that I have to help companies, right, and firms and, and big organizations like Nissan North America and, and places like that, right, that I have to get their head shifted a little bit, right, is that they believe that zero tolerance policies, you know, the ones, right, we have zero tolerance to uh, violence or aggression in the workplace, and if you act out, these things will happen to you, right? They actually believe that zero tolerance works against people who, well, there's two primary attacker types that their entire workplace violence uh, plan should be written around and all the procedures should be written around. One is you have the person who is absolutely blind with rage or they've lost control and they're lashing out. Okay. And two, you have the attacker who is actually targeting people or a person or whatever within the organization or the organization itself. Okay. Neither of these people care about your damn zero tolerance policy, right? The blind rage guy might have cared five minutes ago, but in the moment, he doesn't care, right? And the targeted guy, oh, he loves zero tolerance policy companies because those companies also come along with banned weapons on site lists and all kinds of things, right? So what's a banned site? What's a banned weapon? Uh, list, right? What is that? Right? It tells him that nobody is going to be able to stop him from doing what he's doing. Okay? Um, blind rage guy doesn't care in the moment. Doesn't care what you're going to do to him afterwards. And the targeted guy, the statistics show that well well over 80%, right? It doesn't matter when the guy if the guys with the guns show up, right? The National Guard, or the police or whatever, cuz he's going to pop himself. Okay? It's a lone wolf kind of thing, and he doesn't care, right? So, but what you have with these these blanket policies, right, is all based around the premise that we put a zero tolerance policy out there. It's it's stated, right? Everybody knows it. You have to sign a, a an, ag- uh, an agreement contract or a form or whatever, right? I'm not going to do these things because I know these other things will happen, right? Um. It rests on believing that I can get somebody to agree not to do anything to me, um, and then that's going to just cover everything, right? But what those what those plans typically have is they have this zero tolerance uh, deterrent stuff up front, which is absolutely necessary, right? Um, because that's going to handle eighty percent, right, of your problems. But those people typically don't lash out when they're angry anyway. Maybe somebody might consider it, but 
they're smart enough to to uh, weigh in on is the punishment worth the momentary gratification of punching this guy's teeth down his throat, right? Okay, so they have that, and then they jump all the way to punitive action and reporting, right? Here's what we're going to do to you, and we're going to report both to the police. We're going to, you know, we have to report to OSHA, all those kind of things, right? In the states, right? OSHA's Occupational Safety and Health uh, Organization, uh, or not organization? What is it, agency? Whatever the hell it is, right? So anyway, right? Um, uh, but there's this huge hole in the middle. Right. About what you're going to do if the zero tolerance fails, that policy fails and you're face to face and in a shitstorm. OK, so, again, that's context for the workplace violence kind of thing. Right. But. What about us? What about when we're not at work? What about when we're just out? In the world? What about when we're, when we're training? Right. Well, the backwards thinking and again, I'm going to I'm going to show you where it's flawed. But I also want to show you where it's necessary. Okay? But we have to be doing both. We can't get caught up in a binary. It's either this or that. Right. If you're in the States, it's not Democrats or Republicans. Right. It's people. Right. It's. Believe it or not, they both need each other. They just won't admit it. Right. So. Uh, Anyway, without getting all political and crap like that, right? It's not about, not about choosing sides. It's about being smart enough to walk the line and, and be able to see what everything is, you know, what everybody's going, doing and, you know, being able to try to navigate that shit. But anyway, all right. So let's look at the, let's look at the problem with this training, right? The backward thinking kind of thing, right? And that is that. Dojo training or the technique is the fight, okay? So there's this belief that I go to to the class, right, or I do the online training or whatever, and I learn these techniques, I learn these moves, right, and get really, really good with them, right, and I got it, right, okay? Might vary things a little bit, might do some sparring, whatever, but even sparring, Right. Even the in the ring fights. Right. It's not a life or death situation. Right. So we have to be careful about just like falling for the package. Right. Because everything. Right. And our our, not the dojo. I almost pointed over my shoulders like it was whiteboard Wednesday. Right. We look at the mandala. What the what a mandala is, is a paradigm. Right. It's a border. Right. It's a it's a territory. And so we're working within that, but the mandala also come with things that are called exits, right? Because you can't see everything in this two-dimensional rendering, right? And that's what they mean by this third eye and all that kind of stuff, right? You you need to understand that there's layers and there's levels and, and, and whatnot, right? So the backward thinking is it's partly that, but... What did what did 95, 98% of students and instructors focus on? The part of the fight or the part of self-defense that you should be avoiding at all costs because it has the greatest uh, the greatest chance of something going wrong. 
right? The actual physical altercation. Okay. So do we have to do, yeah, of course we need that. Of course we need that. Right. And we'll talk about, you know, in a bit, um, why we start with that. But what ends up happening is because that's the way the package is done. That's 95, 98% of class time, right? Or that's what's in the programs that are being sold or, you know, it's, it, it, look at, look at YouTube videos. We can look at the statistics for our videos, right? Should I do something on long staff? I do something that, you know, drives somebody in the ground or whatever. Holy shit. We've got freaking views out the wazoo, right? I mean, in two days, one of my, one of my shorts that just had, what that have James, uh, stick turning or something like that, right? 1140 views in two days because it was a damn long staff. Things like this, where we're talking about mental, you know, psychology, uh, personal development, those kind of things, right? 158 views in like eight weeks, something like that, right? Um, it's just, it's just very, very different, right? That's what people tend to focus on. And then either lip service is given to other things, right? Like, well, I don't know, home security, awareness, uh, whatever, right? People focus on awareness. So long as a punch is coming or they get to whip a throw on somebody or, you know, play a game of, of whoop ass or whatever. Right. But again, if we if we look at the, the realm of self-defense, right, that's why we have this eight phases of self-defense uh, strategy. Right. Now, when I was with the, one of my earlier teachers, he and the group, the collective group of, of us instructors, right, came up with this framework, but it only had six, six phases, right? And I believe he's still teaching the six phases, which is great, right? But it ran out at the physical self-defense, okay? But herein lies the difference between just, and again, this is, this is me, right? You can do whatever you want, right? But this is this is where I found a gap, right? Along the way, as a police officer, as a civilian who, you know, had to deal with people that, you know, somebody had an anger management problem and attacked my wife uh, or whatever, right? Is that self-defense doesn't stop when the fight's over or when the attack is over, Right? There's other things. We've talked about these in past episodes, but, you know, I can be affected. And my ability to quickly regain my composure, get my head on straight, and dust myself off and get back to things, right, um, that's going to determine whether I'm going to be there for my family, whether I can go to work and, and continue, right, which is going to affect the family and all that kind of stuff, right? Or I'm going to be shut down for hours or days or weeks or some of these people, right? They're shot for freaking life, right? Because they keep, right? We call that PTSD, right? Well, we do now, right? Originally, it was called shell shock back in World War One. Guess what? Those soldiers got help way faster than PTSD soldiers do. So what they found psychologically is that the longer you make the name of the, of the problem that somebody's dealing with, right, the longer it takes for them to get help and get things fixed, right? The shorter, the shorter the time. Interesting, huh? Anyway, so um, 
uh, but people tend to focus on, you know, all, all this physical stuff, right? When the realm of self-defense involves way more, right? Way more. So we're going to go down through these eight phases. We're going to take a look at these, right? I'm trying to think right now whether I want to talk about the good side or, you know what, let's, let's, we'll, we'll get to the eight, right? But let's talk about why it's a good thing that we start with the physical things, okay? So one of the things that I was introduced to uh, way back in the day, right, was the priorities of a warrior, okay, the priorities of a warrior. So uh, it was kind of laid out, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was laid out in an escalating scale, right? And it's about a warrior who is focused on protecting his community or her community, her friends and family and neighbors and whatnot, right? People that help with their safety and well-being and all that, right? And then lastly, defending themselves. So there's this broader picture, right? But when it comes to actually dealing with physical danger, right, when we pick up cues that things are happening, right? So we're, we're aware, we're situational awareness, right? The first thing we want to do when, well, the first thing that I have found that it has the better guarantee is that we get out of there, right? We avoid it altogether. It doesn't matter if it was coming at us. It doesn't matter if it was just stirring, right? Unless we have some kind of egotistical need to show off our skills, which also means that other people are going to see our cool moves and be better prepared to kick our ass or worse if they decide to come at us later, right? Um, it's just, you know, we're, we're trying to avoid things, right? So first, we try to escape. If we can't escape, then we distract. If we can't distract, then we dissuade, right? Talk the guy down, give him a reason that, you know, not attacking me would be a better idea than, than, than coming at me or whatever, right? Which could go all the way up to saying, look, you know, you may win, but you're going to remember my name for the rest of your life, right? If we can't do that, then and only then do we physically engage, right? So there was this escalating kind of thing, right, that I was introduced to. But that points to, and what I, what I discovered was, you know, giving lip service to that, right? Because every time I do this in a presentation, people roll their eyes or they'll, they'll do this horse nod kind of thing, like they, they know, right? Well, they know, right? But what I ended up doing was looking much more deeply at each of these phases that, that became our eight phases of, of, of defensive action, right? Looking at them and asking the question, what kind of training should be in there? Uh, you know, in mod, our mod two, um, students are introduced to what we call the five D's, right? Didn't start out being called that, but five D's. And the, there's, there's an five D's part one or A, right? And there's a five D's B, but what they're, what they're looking at is 
it's the same logic, right? But the framework is here's a striking, kicking, stabbing, whatever kind of thing going on, right? And here's a grab attack, grappling, whatever, right? So same principles, same concepts, but what, how do they manifest? But how do they look? And, and, and how do they play out, right? So those five D's, right? That's a framework inside phase six. And we'll talk about that, but phase six is physical, you know, having to physically handle the situation, right? So the five D's is a framework for making sense out of chaos, knowing where you are, knowing what you need to focus on, knowing what's going to come next, that kind of thing, right? Even, you know, all this shit flying around, right? And just, but again, it's not, you can't just memorize the five D's. So for my local guys or my inner circle guys listening, memorizing it and regurgitating it back to get a belt doesn't mean that you can use it under pressure without having to left brain think about it, right? It has to become so intuitive. It's like driving a car and somebody looks like they're not going to stop at a stop sign and your foot shifts to the, to the brake pedal. You, your hands are already adjusting, right? All the, all these things are happening while you're gasping or saying, oh shit, right? All this stuff happens because it's, it's internal, right? You don't have to left brain it, right? You don't have to think about it logically step by step. It just happens, okay? Uh, if you're really, really good at walking and, and your balance and all that kind of stuff, right? You slip on a wet floor, you slip on, uh, you know, ice or loose stone, anything like that, right? And your hips sink and your knees bend and all that, and you catch things, right? Before you even think about it, right? You don't do what everybody else does, and they stiffen up, which is tends to be a recipe for disaster, right? So um, the what I did was I looked much deeper into these things to understand what was necessary, right? What kind of training, what kind of skills need to be developed, okay? So before we talk about this more, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down through the eight phases, right? I'm going to take a look at it. But what I want you to pay attention to, I'm going to, this is, this is the, this is the, uh, the, uh, guy in front of you at the movie theater who's seen the movie before. And so, you know, he's talking to his friend, but he's ruining the movie for you, right? Um, what do they call that? Uh, uh, shit. What, James, what do they call that? When somebody, um, tells you what's going to happen, um, Spoiler. What's that? Spoiler alert. There you go. Right. What I want you to try to do is look at the eight phases as an escalating or an ascending scale of where the problem gets worse. Right. That at each stage, if we don't handle what needs to be handled at that stage and it, the scale really starts between uh, phase two and three. Right. If we don't handle things and we're not successful at a given phase, the situation will escalate, and now we need a new set of skills, right? And if whatever we use there, hopefully we have a toolbox that has, you know, a little tool set. Like in my toolbox, I've got a set that has a socket and, you know, ratchet set kind of thing, right? Because that's for certain problems. And I've got a set of different types of screwdrivers. That's for a different type of, right? So we've got these mini sets inside of, inside of this bigger thing, right? So we, we've switched to this different strategy because we're now at a different stage. And if we don't 
handle it there, it's going to escalate and it's going to continue to escalate. Right. Unless, of course, we walk past a doorway or a you know waiting van or whatever, and three guys jumped out and they're already on us, in which case we're in phase six. And that's where you got to you know, handle things. Right. So but I want you to pay attention to this. This the, the it's not just laid out as a this is a good idea. This is a good idea. Like people what people tend to do. Again, it's been my experience as I bump into people, whether they're trained or not trained or whatever. Right. They tend to look at these things like they're in a vacuum, okay? Well, there's escape tactics, and there's de-escalation stuff, and then there's physical techniques, and there's whatever, right? Except that if we look at it from an escalation uh, framework, right, then we see that each phase, right, has certain types of tools that are necessary to be able to stop the problem right there, right there. Okay. So, all right. So uh, some of you may have heard these before, but I'm going to run through it again. So uh, because we're going to need this framework at the end, when I step away from physical self-defense. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to come back to why, the physical training by its very nature has to come first. Okay. And it's probably not what you think anyway. All right. So first one, right? General awareness. General awareness is not the same as walking down the street and paying attention to things and looking for uh, red flags and stuff like that. General awareness is homework. General awareness is understanding what the problem is, right? What are the most common attacks? that you're most likely to face. I got to tell you, it's not a white crane kung fu punch, right? It's not even a Taekwondo uh, crescent or roundhouse kick. It's not, okay? So, but what are they, right? Our, our mod one is that whole thing, right? So by knowing that, right? It, but it, general awareness literally starts with, and again, I'm singing to the choir, but I, I need to give you full context. General awareness begins with the, the recognition and belief that danger exists in the world and it can touch me or somebody I care about. That's where it starts. Okay. And then, see, all these things beget questions, right? Okay, it exists, right? Well, what might I have to deal with? Well, shit, watching the news, listening to other people's, you know, war stories, again, more air quotes, right? Whatever, right? Little stories about how they were involved in things. Uh, remembering high school fights that you saw, saw back in the day. Uh, I don't know, watching sport fights, watching YouTube videos, because everybody's going to do it anyway, right? Binge watch uh, closed circuit TV footage of actual attacks happening, right? So, but collecting information, because if we don't know the scope of the problem, and again, this is why I get hired by big companies and whatnot, right? Because I understand the scope of violence and what's needed to handle it at different levels, right? So each of these phases that I'm giving you, right, is an entire module, an entire training that a company might choose to do, right? The only time I do the whole eight is when I'm doing introductory presentations um, or just general purpose kind of things like 
I don't know, a regional medical center uh, hires me to come in and, and do a presentation for a group of doctors or nurses or whatever, right? Well, then I go through this, right? But um, we can't do all that in a 20-minute or two-hour um, training session, right? So it has to be broken down, right? Uh, one company I worked for uh, for a while, not worked for, worked with, um, was a textiles company. So they made fabric, right? Um, it took two and a half years to put these different blocks in place. Of course, I also had to completely build their security department and all that kind of stuff too, but either way. Um, all right, so general awareness, right? Recognizing that it exists, what it could look like when it's coming at me, right? What kind of problems might I face, right? Again, right now we're just talking about people, right? Because a dog attack is completely different, right? Um, so that then, right, leads to, okay, so here are these cues and clues and here's the problem and whatnot, right? So that leads to situational awareness. So now I'm going to be proactive in the world. But what am I trying to be aware of? Am I just looking for the guy that's going to, you know, walk up to me, bow, get back into fight position, and then, you know, throw his kick or his punch or whatever? No. Remember, the technique is not the fight, right? It's not. Okay? Any more than a map is the geographical land that it's a rendering of, right? Which is why you send, whether we're doing bodyguard work that I used to do or uh, military stuff, which I used to do, right? Which is why you send Ford observers out, right? So we've got a map and it's showing uh, there's declination diagrams. There's uh, lines on the map that show uh, uh how the ground and, and what it was laid out and, and elevation and all those kind of things, right? But your brain's got to try to take this two-dimensional thing and turn it into a three-dimensional thing, but still it's not the land, okay? Because they're not showing where it's, – it's showing where there's a forest, but it's not showing the layout of the trees, okay? It's not showing whether or not there's boulders present or whatever, right? It's not showing whether there's fissures in the, in the ground, right, that could cause problems, so you send out forward observers so you can get a better understanding of what the land looks like that the map is trying to depict, right? Same thing. Kata are little snapshots of how an engagement could go, okay? So if we can understand that, then we don't get trapped, right, in a, in a misunderstanding or a false belief system, okay? We don't choke off our training at a certain point, right? Things don't bottleneck, right? So anyway, right? So one of the questions within uh, situational awareness is, what am I looking for? What are some of the cues and clues that will tell me that a problem may be brewing, right? That danger may be manifesting and it might come at me, okay? Um so how do I, you know, things that I do, right? Um, right after 9-11, I know we're close to 9-11 now, right? Uh, but uh, back right after 9-11, a, a, a video production company contacted me about doing a training uh, video for people that it wasn't physical self-defense, but it was about, you know, how to help people in 
you know, weird situations like that, whether it's physical attacks or a building falling down around you or whatever. Well, I just took the first three phases that I'm giving you now, and that became our danger prevention tactics, uh, protecting yourself like a pro uh, DVD, right? Um, it's up on Amazon, right? Um, but anyway, so um, what am I looking for, right? So one of the skill sets that I had to learn, that I had to discover, right, was the ability to establish a baseline in any environment that I'm in. Restaurant, parking garage, party, state fair, work, whatever, right? I establish a baseline, right? What's normal here? How do people dress? How do they act? What's the volume, the noise level, whatever, right? Uh, what's the baseline, right? This is normal, right? So that my amygdala and my natural brain wiring that's all geared for self-defense will fire when something happens that's out that that breaks that baseline right does that mean that it's danger no but it gets my attention okay because right there's a part of your brain called Boca's region it's one on either side right it's actually um behind behind your ear right around your mastoid process but it's you know it's on the brain right um that actually filters out 90 95 percent of uh, stuff that you encounter every day. Otherwise, your short-term memory circuits wouldn't be able to handle handle all that data, right? So it filters it out because it's just normal. It's the same same shit, different day, right? Um, so if your mom or dad or you've ever heard anybody say, man, you guys just clueless, man. It's in one ear and out the other. That's what's happening, right? It's just not catching because it's not deemed important, okay? So, but anyway, right? How to establish a baseline when I go in, right? So in this Danger Prevention Tactics DVD, um, I think it's still DVD. It might be a digital download now with all the stuff that's going on. Um, but anyway, um, so what we do is we give like a workplace and a restaurant and some other places, uh, like a, if you're driving, right, pulling up at an intersection, and all those kind of things, right? And very quick ways to kind of establish that baseline, right? But it can't be something that you do when you remember, right? It has to be done for a, a long enough period of time that you just end up doing it, right? My wife calls it cop eyes because I can't not do it, but I'm not left brain. Like I'm just looking at things, right? But to her, my eyes are working very, very differently than everybody else. And I, to me, just looking around like everybody else, right? I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not looking for danger. I'm not, uh, I'm not hoping for it, wanting it, nothing, right? It's not hypervigilance, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, right? So um, sorry for those of you on audio. I just made this like glaring face that probably looked kind of crazy. But anyway, um, it's just, it's knowing how to do that, right? So, uh, but there's, there's work with the eyes, right? We have a course called, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, Butsu. What is it? Butsunome? Bushinome. Bushinome, right? The eyes of the warrior. And it takes you through several layers of, of uh, training, right? From Nekugan, which is naked eye, which is just how the eye operates, the eye and the brain and the, and the sight function operates, right? To all the way past, you know, 
conscious level thought uh, to where you're picking up and registering things that um, the left brain doesn't process it very well. It's not very easy to explain, right? If you've ever seen the movie um, The Last Samurai, right, with uh, Tom Cruise, right, there's a scene after he'd done some training where he's attacked in a central courtyard in this village, right? And his eyes just glaze over and these guys are attacking and whatnot and he's just doing things, right? There's, there's a similar story, excuse me, about uh, Takamasa Sensei when he was a kid. Um, he and a friend were attacked by a gang. Same thing, right? He had no recollection of how many, uh, anything like that, right? He was just just operating, right? So anyway, um, there's a bunch of stuff that's in there, right, that has to do with awareness, increasing awareness, um, how to focus, how to use your, your how to separate uh, your, how to separate your sight, right? How to separate the sight mechanism, your eyeballs, and them picking up whatever's in front of them, right? And your sight consciousness, what the brain is paying attention to, because your eyes are like a camera lens. Everything comes in, right? But what you see is what your sight consciousness is tuned to, right? Or not, right? So really, really cool stuff, right? So here's this thing that's in there, but there's more to it, right? Situational awareness. What the hell does that mean, right? What should I be paying attention to in one situation that I could ignore in another because something else is more important, right? So again, it's the difference between being tuned in but relaxed. There's a quote by Hatsumi Sensei, and I'm going to butcher it here, but he talks about, like, you need to be aware and on and always ready and that kind of thing, but relaxed, right? So it's not like, you know, just hyper vigilant and ready to go and, you know, everybody's a threat and that kind of stuff, right? It's not that, right? It's, I can't explain it. It's just, it's relaxed, but you just, things are on, right? Um, so anyway, right? So situational awareness, right? Situational awareness is the crux, okay? Because the farther away that we can see danger materializing, the sooner we can start responding. Most people can't see outside of their own little freaking bubble, right? They, they, they don't pay attention to anything. Or they have tuned their brain that if something's not affecting them, doesn't matter. Parents do this all the time. Not all parents, but a, a fair number, right? Their kid can call people names. They can do whatever. And the parent just might, you know, don't do that. Sorry. You know, whatever to other people. But if the kid does it or says it to the parent, oh, then there's hell to pay, right? It's no wonder the kid's confused, right? And grows up to be an adult who does the same bullshit, right? It's either right or it's not or what, right? But as long as they're not the one that's being inconvenienced, injured, you know, whatever, right? Losing money, whatever, then yeah, it's just not, it's just not the same. Okay. Um, but anyway, right. So it's the crux. Okay. So again, the farther away I can detect danger, the sooner I can act. 
So phase three is escaping to safety, okay? Which now adds a whole new level or a whole new layer to the situational awareness because I'm not just looking for danger. I'm also looking at escape routes from, from the environment that I'm in. But I'm not going to look for it when I might need to escape because the more the stress level goes up, the closer the danger is or the higher the impact of the danger, right, the, uh, the more the amygdala is triggering the hypothalamus and the more all these chemicals are hitting your, your cells and your brain shifting, your, your body's, you know, right, this adrenal response is a bitch, right? So we need to have these things established beforehand. Okay? It's like in the bodyguard world, right? Before, in, in the weeks before we're protecting somebody, there is somebody that goes out and scouts all locations where we will be. They drive the routes, make sure there's no construction, and if there is, right, secondary routes, egress, whatever, right? Uh, if we're going into a restaurant, hotel, this person is speaking at a conference, whatever, right? We know before we even start the job, where the entrances and exits are from any point in the room, if one of us yells gun, which is the trigger for just there's danger of any sort, right? That we know from where we are, where the, where the, where, what the escape path is. And we know not just where the door is, we know where that door leads, tunnels, hallways, whatever, to the waiting car, to whatever. All that's ahead of time, okay? So see how this keeps feeding back to phase one, general awareness, okay? The more you know, the more clear your action is going to be, okay? The more you're prepared, the more clear your actions, right? can't just learn a whole bunch of techniques and technique variations, and then not be able to assess in a, situ a situation to know, and again, we'll talk about that as I get closer to phase six, right? So escaping to safety, right? What are my, what are my routes? Okay. A lot of people died during the 9-11 uh, incident, right? Jumping out of windows, all kinds of things, right? Because they saw it as hopeless and they just wanted to get out of that environment. Okay. Some people, ran to the roof, even though fire burns upward, right? So, and even if your plan in, in situations like that, which is, this is in one of the, this is one of the things in danger prevention tactics, right? In lieu of anything else, right? If your, your escape routes, right? You're not sure or whatever, you go through doorways and downstairs until you're outside or until you can't move anymore. It can be as simple as that, but it's got to be in there, right? When was the last time that your family, friends, whatever, I'm not going to mention you because you've probably already done it because you're on top of things, right? When was the last time you looked at the fire escape route in the company or hotel or whatever that you stayed in and had that in your head? Or do you just glance at it on a regular basis and then you could forget about it because it's getting, it's getting stored, right? 
and you've thought out, if something happens right here, I'm going that way. Unless that's cut off, in which case my backup is that way. Okay? But that's what this is all about. It's not just lip service, right? And there's a whole bunch of other things in there for escaping to safety as well, because escaping to safety, you might not be able to, to escape the environment you're in, right? Escaping to safety might just be not seen, invisibility skills, right? So now you know that you need to know the difference between cover and concealment if you have an active shooter uh, in your environment, right? And you can't return fire, okay? Because there's a huge difference between hiding behind a wall that's made out of block and or reinforced steel or whatever and hiding behind a wall that's nothing but drywall, okay? Huge difference, okay? So anyway, right? Again, uh, general awareness feeds all of these things, okay? Um, so what happens if I can't escape? Well, I'm going to be face-to-face with this person. So most people go right into fight mode. Why? Because that's all the training they do. Okay. What about communication skills? Okay. What about de-escalation? Okay. Because unless he's on me, on me, I still have opportunity to make this all go away before one of us has to go to the hospital or the morgue. Okay. And as my teachers taught me in this art, if we can both go home and the cops don't get called, that's awesome. Right. Because my job isn't to take him out and fill out a whole bunch of paperwork and then have to deal with, uh, you know, a, a, a district attorney that's running for governor. And they're, they're going to run on a on a platform of, of uh, fighting crime and they're going to turn me into a vigilante. You know, OK, and we'll talk about that down the line as well. OK, so uh, de-escalation for us is broken into two two phases. First phase is distraction. Okay. In this phase, I don't want, I don't want to let this guy know. So I'm not going to become confrontational right away. Right. I'm actually going to look like I'm, I'm oblivious to things. Or if he says something to me, I'm going to make a joke out of it or I'm going to look confused or whatever because I don't want to seem like a threat. This can work in two directions. One, it can deescalate things. Or if I already get a feeling that things can't be deescalated, right? It allows me to do a surprise preemptive uh, defense, right? Um, because he won't be expecting it. Okay? But as soon as I bring things up like, dude, you better, yeah, no. Okay? And again, this is for the folks uh, on video. If you're listening in on the audio podcast, I'll describe it as much as I can. But um, when, when I, I did training, God, I've been in so many different martial arts, right? What I tell my students when they first come into the school when we're talking about self-defense is, like, it didn't matter what the instructor was. It didn't matter what the style was or whatever. When we talked about self-defense, generally there were three rules, right? Rule number one was pay attention, right, all the time to everything. Well, that one, that's not possible, okay? And two, I'm going to have a problem when I'm going to the bathroom or I'm sleeping and maybe enjoying myself with my significant other. But anyway, right? So I'm going to have a problem, right? It's, it's, it, that's problematic. Okay. I got the gist though, right? I'm sure you get the gist. Two, um, if the person kept coming at me, right? I was supposed to take up a fight stance, right? And it looks different in different arts, right? Whatever. Okay. 
supposed to take a fight stance, and then I'm supposed to look this person in the eye, and dissuasion came after I took up a fight stance. I'm supposed to look him in the eye and say, I don't want to fight. Now, if you're looking at the video with me like this, if you were looking at somebody across the void, right, and they're up like this, and they're looking at you saying, I don't want to fight, do you believe them? The only people in my dojo that say yes, right, are youth, right? The parents are sitting back in the in the chairs going, you know, heads are shaking and, you know, no way, right? Nobody, you know, all the adults say, no, I don't believe, you know, whatever, right? Well, why don't you believe me, right? I said, I'm going to play teenager, right? I said, I don't want to fight. And they go, yeah, but your body is telling a whole different story, right? So that tactic is more likely to escalate a problem beyond where I want it to be than it is to de-escalate, okay? So we're going to save that for phase five, right, dissuasion. But if we take up this Hira, which is what we use this thing for in Mod 1, even though it's your primary Kamai for dealing with multiple attackers, and it's a bodyguard uh, posture for protecting people and, and getting them behind you, right? So, but um, in the beginning, we, we throw the hands out, right? Of course, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we're doing strategically and tactically, right? But I'm throwing my hands out here, and I'm going to borrow some of the Hensu Jutsu skills. Oh, shit. That's a part of distraction. Anyway, so I'm doing this thing, right? And I'm going to say, whoa, 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 hey, 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 I don't want any trouble. And I look at people and I say, do you believe me now? Well, yeah. Why? Well, you look like you're surrendering. Right. So either I'm a complete idiot and can't control my body, right? Or I'm being authentic. I don't want to fight, right? But in reality, I'm kind of positioning myself like the matador's cape, right? The bullfighter's blanket, whatever you want to call it, right? So, um, again, multiple things going on at the same time, but I'm distracting, right? I'm trying to convince this guy that I'm not a, a good target, right? Too easy to be worth it, whatever, right? Again, right, I mean, a faint heart attack, right? And so jutsu, disguised impersonation, not just for dressing up and sneaking into a fort, Right, or a castle, right? A lot of people drop a lot of these skills that are a part of the of the training, right? Because, well, in the 21st century, man, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't need that kind of stuff, right? I'm not going to be sneaking into people's houses. And yeah, what about sneaking out of your own when there's like five invaders in there ransacking the place and they're going room to room and eventually they're going to find you and your family? What about getting out without engaging them? Okay. Because collateral damage, whether they're aiming at you and hitting some other member of your family or not, is a bitch, and it's going to be something that I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to live with that for the rest of my life, right? But anyway, right? So, right, there are these things for distraction and whatnot. So how, how does someone who's having a heart attack, how does their body move, right? How is their breathing? All that kind of stuff. Because I need to, this has to, man, I need to sell it. I need to sell this like never sold anything like it in my life, right? Okay. So that's distraction, right? Well, what if that doesn't work, right? What if I can't talk him out of it, make him go away, right? Whatever. Well, then we move into dissuasion. Now I let him know, okay? And, right, whatever it is, right? But either way, what we're talking about are communication skills. We're talking about psychological warfare, 
What's in there? Okay. What's in there? What's my ability like to be able to read a person and their intent? Body language cues, those kind of things, right? Do I know the cues that the body starts to take just before an attack, a physical attack occurs? Because if I'm still trying to distract and dissuade when his body's giving off those cues, I'm in the wrong place, right? This is not a, you know, step-by-step, do this, do this, do this. There's a whole bunch of stuff in here. And there's a bunch of skill sets, hard skill sets, right? Like taking up certain postures or body things or faking a heart attack or whatever, right? But there's a whole bunch of soft skills as well, okay? So that didn't work. Well, now we're into hard, fast, physical stuff, right? So now we're all comfortable, right? Because this is where we've trained, right? Okay. Unarmed weapons. How many different weapons could he have coming at me? How many different weapon or weapon types might be laying around that I could, oh, situational awareness. Remember that? Okay. And we're back to that one again. Shit. Okay. So not only are we looking for danger, and not only am I looking for escape routes, but Am I registering things that could be used? Or under pressure, can I register things that I could pick up and use? Okay? So, but anyway, there's that whole thing in there. I, I told you the five Ds was just one framework that's in there. Okay? Now the fight's over. The attack is over, right? You didn't go to the hospital. You didn't go to the morgue. Whatever. Okay? Now what? Phase seven, PTSD recovery. Okay? No matter how tough somebody talks... And the danger doesn't even have to be on top of you or affecting you physically yet, right? Some of you guys have heard me tell the story about when I got deployed to Grenada way back in the day, right? All these guys that ran around during field exercises in the Army talking about killing a commie for mommy and all that kind of crap and doing their thing, right, are all the ones that were praying and crying their freaking eyes out on that plane on the way to that tiny island. And there was me. Sitting in that jump seat, M16 between my legs, full gear on, staring at the far side of the of the plane, in my head, going over plans. If the plane doesn't get shot out of the sky, if it lands, there's the door. When I breach, when I clear the door, I'm gonna look for cover, right? not waiting to see if there's bangs or, you know, whatever going off, looking for cover, right? That kind of stuff, right? Um, luckily, when we landed, we were told that uh, was the, only, the airstrip was the only secure place on the, uh, on the island, and there were sniper reports on the only road to get where we were going. So lock and load, and uh, load up on your Jeeps, and uh, hopefully I'll see you at command headquarters. Okay, But either way, right, they're busy crying and and pissing whatever right and there's me in my head running a plan okay does that mean i'm going to be able to carry it out don't know but if i don't have one i'm going to need to ship myself and make one up on the on the spot when right when all that kind of crap is going on so anyway right uh so but ptsd recovery okay that that little, I was there for 39 days, and that lasted 
and sneak up on me for quite a while. Quite a while. Okay? But I didn't use it as a crutch. I just kept moving through, and you know, now I just can't watch, like, horror movies and, and um, like, war movies that are too real. So I don't bother. Anyway, so uh, there's that. And then phase eight is legal, right? And legal could be the law of the land, right? DA, police, whatever. Strategically maneuvering that thing so that you don't sound like everybody else who's ever been arrested or investigated who's just trying to save their ass. They did something. Now they're trying to justify it, and now they're trying to look remorseful and all that kind of stuff, right? Again, back in comes Henso Jutsu, disguise and impersonation, right? How do I articulate in a court of law? Do I know the self-defense doctrine so I can describe things in a way that shows that I adhere to the self-defense doctrine without saying what I did was the minimum necessary to control the situation? <laughs> yeah, okay, right? So, right, but it might not be the law of the land. It might be um, uh, morality guidelines and policies within the company that you work that now you're out on your ass and don't have a job, right? All those kind of things, right? So this whole framework, right, whole framework. So the backward thinking is just like with my corporate clients, right, wanting to rely on nothing but a zero tolerance policy and a you better not or else mentality, right? In this one, right, the backward thinking is I'm going to do all my training in a way that's just going to assume that Scotty from the Enterprise is going to be my attacker down right in front of me, and the 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 threat and the fight starts with their first punch and ends after I drop them, like in this little bubble, right? It's like this utopic world. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't work that way. Not from my experience anyway. And I've done everything from bodyguard work to uniform to okay, ducking bullets on a battlefield. So uh, it doesn't work that way. Okay? And the better you can get, with as many skills in as many of these phases as possible, the greater your chances of success because you're going to cut off the head of the serpent before you get to a point where the serpent is trying to strike. Okay? One of the biggest lessons I learned from, from Hatsumi Sensei, from the master teachers in Japan and all that, is to drop the idea of winning and losing because that's what controls most people. Well, i got to win a fight. i got to... Well, how about let's not talk about a fight because this is a survival situation. Now, if you're getting involved in fights, then you have an ego problem, okay? Um, and you're for, completely forgetting about things like revenge and vendettas and shit like that, right? So uh, this is about self-protection. This is about survival, right? The rules are different, okay? So we need to stay focused, okay? And not put all of our eggs in one basket as though like there's no need for self-defense action until somebody's trying to physically hurt me. 
What about being able to read people that might be considering physically hurting you while they're still looking like you're like they're your friend? Okay. So, but again, that's why I went and studied things like neural linguistic programming and all that. The cool thing is you don't have to do all those things um, if you're training with me or somebody else that's done training like that. There's a bunch of my peers around that have done things like that, right? We can help you like cut corners and get there faster and, and all that, right? Um, and isn't that the idea, right? Get there faster, get there easier, less pain, less discomfort, right? It's even the, even the, the, the goal within phase six, right? Excuse me. How do I protect myself against this barrage of things, right? Effectively, efficiently, with the least amount of wear and tear on me in the process. Because I'm going to get banged up. It's just nature of the beast, okay? That's another thing that people need to drop, that illusion like that they're going to be invincible. Yeah. I don't know if you look in the mirror lately, but human body, not all that invincible, okay? A little virus that you can't see can take you down. So that's the bad, that's the bad side of things, right? Here's this framework, okay? We'll come back to it in a minute, right? But let's switch gears and look at why we need to start with physical training first, okay? And this goes to a different lesson from teachers, okay? And it's like a three, here's another three-phase framework, right? Phase one is setting up your life so that no one ever thinks about attacking you. Sounds easy, right? Awesome, okay? The problem with that is that takes a long time. There's a lot that goes into that, right? And we'll bring the phases back again because to get there, we need to use that eight phases outside of the realm of physical self-defense. Same phases, but it's going to look a little different because the skill sets are different. Okay. So he set up my life for when, you know, so that nobody ever thinks of attacking me. Phase two, when I'm not there yet, right? then I have to develop the awareness and escape skills so that I'm never where the attacker is acting. Okay? So it's avoidance skills, right? It's not being where the danger occurs. Really quick, funny sidebar story. Um, you know, there's always these, these jack wagons, right? Whether it's you taking classes and then you go home and some family member or friend or whatever goes, oh, I heard you were taking classes. Show me something, right? And you go, you know, because you just learned maybe like a wrist grab escape or something like that. So you go, okay, uh, grab my wrist, right? And they reach out and smack you in the head and they go, see, that shit don't work, right? Just because they're an asshole, right? Some people just want to see you fail so that they don't have to do the same kind of work that you're doing to get where you want to be. More than some. Anyway. Um, so again, right. Setting up your life, escaping to safety. When you can't do that, you're going to have to physically operate. Great framework. The problem is that number one is going to take the longest to manifest. 
Hatsumi Sensei's discussed that, right? The longer you train, if your if your left brain or not left brain, right brain, left side, right side of training, right, dragon realm, tiger realm, uh, you know, uh, both life skills and success, as well as self defense skills and all that, right? The longer you train, the less likely you are to be attacked. It's like insurance, right? But the less likely you are to be attacked. Even like where people want to argue with you, you carry yourself differently. You handle problems differently, right? You're not confrontational. You're not defensive. It's just, it's very difficult for people to want to do that. And besides that, if you set up your life correctly, what ends up happening is you become very polarizing, okay? Especially if you're not this confrontational, you know, whatever, right? Okay, I'm the toughest guy on the block. I don't look like the toughest guy on the block, okay? So what ends up happening is you end up attracting, right? I just, I want to enjoy life. I tell jokes all the time, have a good time, right? All that kind of stuff, right? But I'm also a man of integrity, right? If I say something, unless conditions change, that's what's going to happen, right? So people know that I'm not vague. It's not easy to talk me into something without me having all the information or you giving me a piece of information I didn't have before, whatever, right? So the problem is that most people don't have boundaries. They don't have a paradigm, right? They act like they do, but they fold in the moment, right? There was a song a long time ago that was uh, around here. Uh, everybody talks like lions, but they sacrifice like lambs, okay? That's, that's part of the human condition for a lot of people, okay? It just doesn't work that way, right? For me, for me. This is about me, right? So, but that takes a long time, right? be physically attacked anytime, right? Takes a long time to get there. Escaping, those kind of things, right? We can we can kind of come up with some tricks and some some things like that, right? Okay. Not so not so long, right? Um, so we can act on that pretty fast, right? So if we don't have our life set up this way and we're still working on escape tactics and they're not guaranteed then we better have physical skills because it's going to end up there just like with the eight phases. If we can't cut it off at a given phase, it's going to end up at phase six, right? The problem with that and the reason we have to start with physical training is it takes physical training. It takes a, quite a while to develop the skill sets, not so you can show off and be cool in the dojo so that you can survive some murderous prick on the street that is going to want to try to beat, break, or kill you, okay? The physical skills take a long time to develop to where they're automatic. You have this automatic response, right? The autonomic system, right, is is part and parcel of the program. You don't have to rely on left brain memory all the time and, and trying to, trying to uh, you know, remember the step-by-steps and whatever, where it becomes muscle memory and you own it and you've got intuitive response and, and things like that going on, right? That takes a while, right? So we need to get started on that first, right? While simultaneously, right, dragon and tiger realm, while simultaneously working on 
personal qualities. So eventually we won't need the physical scale skills at all. That's yeah, the goal, right? If we do, it's going to be a rarity, right? So why bother training in them if we are going to end up not needing them? Because along the way, you're not there yet again, right? Remember that, right? So you get these two extremes setting up your life so that no one ever thinks of attacking you. And the reality is that until you get there, you could, you, you might need to act. And these skills are going to take a while to get there, right? So anyway, right? So backwards thinking was the best term I could come up with, but we need to get over that. We need to be more clear about the problem that we're trying to address, but we also need to be more clear about why certain things are a part of the training and they're not negotiable. You can avoid them. You can ignore them. But if you want to be successful, you want to have the skills that are going to be necessary to not end up in a box before it's time, then they're not negotiable. Okay. So I have several programs at my school. Some of those programs, people are just kind of checking things out. Right. Some things are negotiable. Some things are not. Right. We'll keep reminding them. Another program, way less is negotiable. But they're not focusing on killers either. And then there's a program. James might be a member of this program. Right. Um, nothing's <laughs> it's not negotiable. I still give them an out. Right. You can do whatever you want. You're grownups. You can do whatever you want. Right. But. At a certain point, if you're not taking the teacher's lessons, then there's the damn door. Okay. So anyway, we need to get our heads on straight. Well, I found that it'd be a really good idea because I'm not here to tell you what to do. Right. If any of this is useful. Then great. If you know, you're going to pick and choose. And here's the reality of things, right? This is something else I learned along the way. Everyone's going to pick and choose whatever it is that they want to do. They do what they want. Okay. I'm not going to be able to affect it unless they trust that what I'm telling them is something that they should probably do. But ultimately, right? So, just some suggestions. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. So let's fire up James over here. Right. Uh, questions, comments, anything like that come in before we wrap this up? No, not really. No. Um, it's kind of quiet tonight. Well, I saw the numbers started climbing and then people dropped off and all that. And I know exactly when they dropped off because I was talking about things that it, you know, you don't want to have to think about that, right? You know, no, no, all I need is techniques, damn it. You're full of shit. Well, okay. To you, I'm full of shit. But I'm still alive. <laughs> and this is not, this is not conjecture. This is, <laughs> this is not belief system, right? Had I not had certain skills that either teachers suggested that I have, 
or I went and explored certain things, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That's how sure I am about this because, again, back to the mandala, I don't just know stuff that I learned in a dojo and got ranked for. I've been in situations that I hope nobody ever has to get into. And I'm damn thankful that I had, <laughs> right? And that experience tempers all of the stuff that comes through, no matter what teacher teaches it or whatever. It's just, right? Just like Hatsumi Sensei said, said, said a long time ago when he had me write that article. He looked at everybody in the room. He said, you need to get with people that have actually been in bad situations because they may not know all the techniques you know, but they'll be able to tell you how you better be training. But I'm not going to tell you. Unless you come to me as a student, I'm not here to tell you anything. Okay. As a matter of fact, I'm going to stop telling you. I'm going to stop doing videos and because I've got this habit where I tell people what they have to do if, what they should. I'm going to stop that. I now understand why Hatsumi Sensei communicated the way he did for all those years until he was almost ready to retire, and then he got pissed off. And, but he had other master teachers deliver the message for him. Right? Um, I'm just going to explain things from my perspective. This worked for me. This is what I found to be true. But the reality is you're all grown-ups. You can do whatever you want. If this is helpful, great. But never forget, this is something else I discovered. Most will get a little information. Some will get a lot of information. But the biggest problem that gets in the way of success, whether it's life or martial arts, self-defense, whatever, for most people, is execution. Because until you do it, it doesn't matter. Okay? So um, I'm, I did promise to go, I'm not going to go back to the eight phases again, right? This is, this is for you if it's valuable. Okay? Remember, the eight phases are for dealing with escalating threat. Okay? We have to know the problem. We have to know the conditions. Right. We have to know what's necessary, that kind of stuff. Right. Then we have to act on it. And the acting on is the gaining of skills and all that for situational awareness. Escaping to safety. Right. Having an exit and out. Right. I'm going to use slightly different words here because I'm going to I'm going to put these in different paradigms. Right. Um, distraction. Dissuasion. Physically having to handle the stress and the threat and whatnot to make it go away, to make sure you're going to be okay, handling the post-incident trauma and possibly handling legal repercussions, okay? That eight-phase framework, okay, change some wording, change some skill sets, and overlay that over financial security and self-defense. Overlay that over relationship safety and protection, longevity, whatever. Lay that over any area of your life. The phases are the same because it's escalating problems and post-trauma recovery, right, post-incident recovery, right? 
And again, you know, for the longest time, right, I only looked at that as, you know, strategic self-defense, da da da, because we're looking at, you know, not getting stabbed or punched or thrown or tackled or whatever, right? But the more I look at these things and the more I explore them from different realms, like this, this is something that just came to me not too long ago. That same strategic framework can be laid over, overlaid over anything in our lives where it's an integral part of our lives, right? The eight phases for physical self-defense, right? I mean, if we're not in the world, we can't do good in the world, right? But what about our financial well-being? What about our spiritual well-being? What about our, uh, you know, the well-being of our within relationships, whether it's significant others, friends, coworkers, whatever, right? The things that we value, we hold important, and are an integral part of our lives. You could lay it over any of those. But what I'm going to do is I just toss it out there. I found it to be important, right? But if you do, you're going to have to look at those. You're going to have to do the same kind of work, right? And I think that's it. <laughs> that's where I'm going to leave it, right? Anything coming, James? Uh, Rob Murphy asked if you went on mute or did it, he break something. I'm going to guess he broke something. That was you over on YouTube. Me, right? I could hear you and I jumped over on YouTube and it was still working. So, Well, Rob, broke you broke something. <laughs> hmm. Rob, I've been pondering a question you asked in a previous episode uh, about how does somebody get back to basics? Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you two suggestions. And this is for anybody, right? One, stop thinking that you belong or you are supposed to be at a certain point, right? Because at one point, because of my military duties and all that, I, I got away from things for a year and a half, right? And then got back into things and had to back up some before I could go forward, okay? And just start. I did I did it when I was going for second on and kept hitting a wall and then backed up to the basics, right? So I just started again. But what you'll find is it's kind of like if you've ever been able to ride a bike or play the piano or whatever, right, and you got away from it, you're going to be super rusty in the beginning, right? But you're never a beginner again. What you're doing is you're going through a refreshing mode, right, and – the progress will be faster from the restart than it was in the beginning because right, you, the stuff is in there. Some of this stuff is in there, and it's going to come back out, right? So never be afraid to restart again because your, your progress won't be – it won't be the same way. It won't be as painful. It won't be as confusing, anything like that, right? So it's like putting, putting together a puzzle – and one of your kids comes along, and, or in your case, one of your freaking dogs that eats furniture comes along and knocks the puzzle off on the floor, and the pieces are all over the place. But they're not really, are they? Because if you ever had a problem with a with a, a jigsaw puzzle, all the pieces don't fall apart, right? They fall apart in clumps, and now it's just a matter of reorganizing things back together to redo it, right? And that's that's the same with with physical training because you, now, I take all that back if somebody's only trained for a couple of classes and then went away. 
I mean, I don't know why they would think that they were starting all over again because they're just starting again, <laughs> right? They don't, they don't have enough under their belt, so to speak, right? Pun intended. So, um, and that's what I found, right? Every time I had to take a break, when I came back to it, I've just refreshed myself by going through the basics and just I just got back, uh, you know. So, but the biggest thing that gets in people's way is they think that um, they think they need to catch up. Hear these bad words, right? Catch up. I have long distance students who are that way too, right? I stopped stopped showing up for the online coaching calls and I got away from this and everything, and I just feel like I'm so far behind. Behind who? That speaks of a competitive mindset that you're supposed to be moving through with your peers at the same pace. Their life isn't the same. Your life isn't the same. Conditions aren't the same. You do you. You're never behind you. You may be behind your expectations. All right? And as George Carlin would have said, change your expectations. Okay? It just might mean as a review of things, right, here was the deadline I had for getting my black belt or getting this belt or whatever. I'm just going to need to move that out there. Or I'm going to need to work two or three times as hard to make the same deadline, which is my personality type. But I set things really, really high for myself, knowing that I'm not going to make that. But because I'm aiming for that, I'll get way farther ahead than. And then what irritates me is when. Other people don't do their shit, right? Because I do have high standards. I never hold anybody to my standards, but uh, if you're going to be on my team, I don't have a problem with my direct team, not even a little bit, right? It's the indirect teams that are on these services that I pay for that can't get their shit together because they think that they don't have the same kind of stress. James and I were talking about this when the website went down. They're like laid back and we'll get back to you in 24 to 48 hours and Mother, <laughs> you get a paycheck whether you fix my site or not. Meanwhile, my site's down and my people can't access it. I can't, you know, enroll anybody else into programs or what. See, there's a difference in priorities, right? There's a difference in energy moving when if this shit shuts down, I can't move forward, right? And if you're a part of me moving forward, you better keep the reins tight, right? So my problem is that and it's the same thing with people that are trying to be successful in many different areas of their lives. If they have a fallback, they don't have that kind of they don't have that kind of uh, pressure, right? It's like somebody who's trying to start a business while still having a job. They don't they don't move forward unless they have a seriously imperative reason, like a 15 year old in an abusive family that is going to do anything they can to freaking run away, right? To get away from that situation. If they're in a, in, a, in a job like that, okay, there's an exception. But 80, 90 percent of people that are trying to try, you know they're running a side hustle or trying to start a business or whatever, they've got steady pay coming in. I don't care if it's a welfare check or a or a check from a job. They don't have an imperative need. Imperative need. Right. James is like a unicorn. Right. Trying to get him on where I'm paying his paycheck. Believe it or not, James is doing all this stuff so we can get shit set up so that all the stuff that's coming in for tuition and people buying programs and all that, 
can replace his salary so that he's not freaking working in a place that he, well, he might not like a whole lot. Maybe. <laughs> right? But most people, the reason they don't succeed as fast is because they've got a fallback. Right? I'm a big fan of burning your ships. Because if I don't work, I don't get paid. Corporate side, martial arts side, whatever. Okay? So, and still I have all this time to do all this free shit for people. But you know what's going to come out of this? Somebody's going to hear this, right? And, James, you know it. We're going to get an email. All you care about is money, man. And, right? Where's all, like, the stuff that – now, I had somebody else, uh, Matt, um, one of my guys. Well, he follows my stuff and all that, right? He, he, sent me an, he sent me a message one time, wanted to ask a question, and he said, I, 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 I want to be careful about how I answer, ask the question because I don't, I, I don't want you to dump all this stuff on me or whatever because, like, the stuff you give away for free, man, you should be freaking charging for, and I don't want you to do more work for free. And I'm like, what I want people to, to think, rightly so, is, shit, if he's giving all this away for free, what's it like to be one of his students? I don't know. James, your eyes ever glaze over in class? <laughs> Just a few times. <laughs> Just a few times. A few times at class, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, Rob, I wanted you to know that I was thinking about that some more and whatnot. So um, I, I didn't mean to give you a brush-off answer uh, if, if it came across that way in a previous episode. But, um, brother, you got to get over the whole, like, you're behind or whatever. Just, just take that first step, okay? That's not a first step again, right? It's just now you have time because you were knocked off by freaking deployments and all kinds of crap. So it's all good. And anybody that's ever had to leave my dojo for life issues or whatever, right, unless you um, offended, assaulted, or otherwise brought damage into my world, and I told you to get the hell out or to never come back, that's happened. Um, I, a lot of people, like, they've got some kind of feelings of guilt or they think I'm mad at them or whatever, and they've wanted to get back to training for a while, but they're worried about, don't worry about me, right? I understand that life happens, okay? Now, if the same kind of things keep derailing you, then that's not life anymore. That's decision-making, right? But, like, people have come back. One of my guys was gone for 16 years. He's now a second-degree black belt. One of my guys just came back, what, less than a year ago, I think, brought two stepdaughters with him, um, and the last time we trained together before that was 30 years ago. So, yeah, no, right? Another guy you need to worry about. If you want to train, if you want you want to learn, then we're all good, right? Unless you brought damage in my direction, then we're all good, okay? So, anything else? thought I saw Rob something. Said- okay, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Rob just replied, yes, I feel that way as well. I just need to get off that wall and get back to it. Just feels like I forgot a lot. And he said, thank you. That actually explained it. Yeah. And you may feel like you forgot a lot, but once you get back into it, James was gone for, how long were you gone? That one job that freaking derailed you for quite a while. 
right. two and a half yeah, years. That was at least yeah. no, it was longer than that. Because w- when you came back, we looked at your freaking when you got your rank or when you got your belt uh, last or whatever. <laughs> it, it, that was it, it was it was a while. It was a while. Yeah, it was a while, right? Um, and from the time that you came back to the time you got your show done, how long was it? Wait, what? About six months or so? Because we reviewed. And we went through reviewing all the stuff mm-hmm. up to where your belt was and then taking off. So it'll come out, man. It'll it'll come out. There's There's stuff in subconscious storehouse. There's stuff in muscle memory and whatnot. It'll come out. You just need to trust the process. You may not trust yourself. You may not trust me, but trust the process. You don't trust me. That just means you need to find a different teacher. And I'm okay with that too. Right? So uh, I thought I saw Greg Beerley post something. Did, did he post something on? I don't see it on my end if you did. Okay. That's fine. Um, and sometimes things don't cross through. So we'll go back afterwards and look for questions and comments and all that. So uh, anyway, so I saw that Jimmy was on, uh, a bunch of you. So thanks for being with us again. Uh, episode 125 is in the can, as they would say, and not in the bidet, Rob. Um, in the can, it's an old film reference, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, don't forget, right? Uh, if you're watching this after September 30th or October 2nd of 2022, too late. Right. Um, but do go to the website and look for the dates for whatever year you're in. Right. That year's spring camp intensive, fall camp intensive, Dicomiosai New Year's intensive. Right. So um, I think doors are open for Dicomiosai. Right. But we've got registration there. I just don't have a bunch of details filled in because yes. um, I haven't picked a theme yet. So but uh, fall camp is right around the corner. We've got live option and virtual option. Um, got mm, almost a dozen people signed up for that. So uh, I'm okay if, if things are small, but um, we're going to be going through the Ninja no Hachimon, the traditional eight gates based on the technology and whatnot of the day, and taking a look at that, at what that, um, to me, should like, look like today, right? See, there's that, there's that help for everybody again, right? Um, but so anyway. Uh, it's a whole weekend. It's, uh, what is it, uh, for anybody that's coming in for the full weekend, Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, 9 to 5, 9 to 6, that kind of thing. Um, we're not doing an evening on Saturday this time. Uh, I have some family commitments that I have to honor. So there's that. And then uh Sai is January 6th to the 8th. Is that right? 6th, 7th, and 8th? Okay, yes. so hopefully you can make it in. I know uh, Mr. Jones is all signed up for that. He's traveling quite a distance to come in. Um, yeah, Phil Jones. Uh, yes. Okay, cool. All right, so, uh, but if, if you haven't visited the, the uh, site over on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, then you're there, right? But um, just... I've been loading up with a whole bunch of uh, videos. We're splitting some of these things down so they're easier for people to go through in chunks, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and, um, man, we we got freaking views, and our, our stats are way up. I mean, YouTube is, like, 
suggesting our stuff and, and all that. So, um, and that's only with a little bit and I just plan on, uh, doing more, but I, I had a family crisis that popped up that dropped my productivity like 25, 30% for about two weeks and then was pulling out of that and James broke the, no, James didn't break the sun. <laughs> and then we spent what two weeks to the day, right? Two weeks to the freaking day for two companies that were paid to make sure shit was right that couldn't get their act together and work together to fix something that we think started with a hack on their side. Bastards. Anyway, so it's back up. It's fully operational. We're all set. So I'm, I'm not going to hold on any of that kind of stuff. I just I just need to freaking move forward. So anyway, look for more stuff. Uh, if you're interested in any uh, programs or whatever, go to Online Ninja Academy, even if you just want to poke around or whatever, right? The main page uh, was designed after – um, what's that one? Um, Coursera. Coursera, right? Coursera is a business university website for, for the corporate world and whatnot. And so instead of reinventing the wheel, uh, the main page of Online Ninja Academy is designed like Coursera. So, um, you know, there's a whole category of free stuff. There's, uh, you know, ebooks or whatever, whatever, at whatever level you want to engage with, uh, it's all there. And, um, just keep moving forward, right? So, as a matter of fact, we just we're adding on another uh, service that's going to allow us to uh, branch out some of these things, like the platinum uh, program and all that. So, if something like what happened happens again, we're not down and out. We can flip a switch and keep on moving. So, you know, you live, you learn, right? I'm not going to sit around bitching and moaning because that happened. I was irritated while it was going on because we couldn't move forward. Now that it's fixed, back on to things, but we're going to add another layer of safety for us and our students so that, you know, we're not broken because somebody else can't get their shit together. Right? And that's the way it works. Okay? All right, that's it. Um, James, we have a meeting after this is over. So, But for everybody else, we'll see you next time on Kuden.